stops recording as soon as I hit the button, and but it it's just it shows the message yeah. a little bit later. Yeah. So, you're, so you're you're singing? Uh, Mine is wrong. Oh, that's been happening. Yeah. A lot of meetings lately. It says Seattle, and it's flickering. Oh, okay. Uh, now, that, that has been happening to me a lot the last week in my normal yeah. meetings in Teams. Ah, there you go. Yeah, it stopped. Oh, it stopped? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let what did you do to change it? Abby? I didn't do anything. Oh. <laughs> I was going to, so I'm joined in through the web uh, browser. I was going to switch to the client thinking it'll be, that'll make the difference. But, um, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll just, uh, uh, there we go. So I'll just switch. Maybe we'll see. Okay, anyway. All right, so hopefully it stays good. Uh, well, of course, my screen sharing is going to be really limited. So, folks, uh, the uh, sorry, I switched the link that I had shared earlier, and, and Robert might have shared my old link as well. Uh, we changed that. So, of course, this is still kind of in preview, but I'll put the new link here. I did go back and update my earlier post. So yeah, we are super excited about this. First time ever. Now, of course, I've been a part of Mastermind for a long time now. Uh, the one that I stumbled into when I was depressed, sad, broke, everything. At the end of the line, almost ready to crawl back to Microsoft on my hands and knees and beg for my job back. And it changed my life. And a big component was the in-person events that they had. And they were really, really powerful really powerful in so many ways I, I can't even begin to describe so um yeah those are really good <laughs> thank god those are the pre-covid years and then everything stopped in my mastermind group too of course and there was no in-person meetups but they're starting that again and uh we wanted to do our first one so um data set <laughs> the room is booked <laughs> and margaret has her flight booked too so we're excited um and yeah so this page has what it mostly, frankly, has kind of what our vision of the program is, right? So, of course, starting with, we want to bring together the Power BI pros in the world, not just all of them, you know, the guys who are chasing money and whatever. It's good for them, happy for them. But, yeah, we want something more. We don't want money. We love earning more money. And we, we do we get there. But, um, but, yeah, for us, it's important to do what you love. It's important to make an impact and do it on our own terms. And, you know, what's the point of being the richest man in the grave, right? graveyard, right? So, um, yeah, this is the life. This is us. And what if we could bring those people together in person? I know it's going to be powerful. Uh, this is what I have in mind, kind of a mix in all three, kind of the technical business and business lessons, mindset lessons. And, of course, <laughs> I don't know what photo to put, but, it, but it's, this, this is not an event where I stand up at the stage and talk for two days. No. <laughs> I may, I may do some sessions, but you've already seen the session that Eamon ran and all the other stuff that we have had. There's a lot of goodness in the group. So we might have some of our members, some of our attendees step up and just share. Uh, and then we might have some group discussions where the whole goodness from the, all of the members comes through. So that's how I imagine the sessions to be. But yeah, we'll, 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 we'll cross this. I mean, we'll, we'll cover it pretty wide because each of these is important. Uh, we want it to be kind of relaxed, not where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, do this, learn this. Yeah, we wanted people to have ample time just connecting, uh, 
because that's really important. And of course, to kick that up a notch, we'll, we're planning some fun stuff. Uh, we'll definitely do a dinner. And then I was thinking maybe a hike <laughs> for whoever's up. Uh, we'll choose an easy one. Uh, and uh, I don't know, Seattle too or something. We'll, we'll come up with ideas. Um, and even for the topics, we'll, we'll poll the attendees. We'll ask the attendees, like, hey, what are the topics you're interested in? And for activities, we'll say what are the activities. So we'll, we'll figure some of it out, which, um, but yeah, but uh, the FAQ does have some of the details, the, the location, you know, the timing, sessions, other stuff that I could think of that you might want to know. So yeah, folks, we are super excited about this. So yeah, so you've already gotten, I think, a few emails from me about this. Uh, it's, it's, we're, we're getting pretty close to opening like early bird registration. Um, of course, ProPlus members would have their own kind of special pricing and everything. You guys would have first dibs. It does have limited spots. For the first one, we're, we want to keep it like 16 or smaller. Uh, but of course, ProPlus members get the first dibs. So um, yeah, you guys will be the first ones there. Then we will open it up to other folks who want to join. You know, if they are coming with all of this spirit, then uh, they're welcome, right? We would love to have them there. Okay, so that's that. And the other part that I wanted to say was that um, uh, if you, and this may be more true for continuing members. New members are always excited and <laughs> bring addition to my emails and all that. Continuing members, well, they got this stuff going, which is good. But, um, and the truth is that we haven't really updated the course in a meaningful way in a while. But there's a lot of good stuff happening. Um, I have learned so much through this program, through our members, and I've tried to capture a bit of that goodness in some of the new updated lessons. Um, so yeah, so the niche has an updated set of lessons. Well, actually, all three do now. So story has an updated set of lessons and um, uh, selling does too. So if you um, get a chance, go through that if you haven't already. Um, some other stuff, of course, kudos to Barry and Robert for, for having a really amazing, or Eamon, of course, for the amazing member meeting. We'll keep that going. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to call that out as well. Uh, so that's it. So what I have on my site for today, I wanted to just check in with some of our members on where they are with the challenge. And I think Robert had reached out and let me see. Uh, the names that I have. Hold on, hold on, hold on, guys. I just had it right there somewhere. Mm. Oh, if I can find it. Almost there. Okay, so I had. Kimberly, Brahim, Margaret, Charles, and Nabila will probably try to go in that order unless if if you have like a conflict of the, oh, I need to drop off uh, at this point, then let us know. We'll bump you. Um, so again, it's it's pretty casual. You just, you've gone through the challenge, share your um, niche, what you wrote down for yourself, share your value story. I'm very keen on that. If you have a, gotten a chance to look at the sales lessons and have set up a sales goal for yourself, which is really simple. You know, I'm going to contact X number of people in Y time frame, uh, then share that too. 
Uh, Kimberly, you 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 want to start? You want to uh, sure get started? Yeah. All right. Right. Okay, this is my first time sharing with a web browser, so let me just hopefully this will work. Okay, um, so this is a from the 30 day challenge, and let me make sure that I can pop through those slides. So just about me, a little bit of information. Um, I'm a wife of a Sardinian chef, so he's uh, from Italy and born and raised in Italy, and then moved over to the United States. A uh, mom of two teenagers and adoptive mom of uh, several rescue dogs. I love food. Uh, I'm a traveler. I had the opportunity to travel the world. Um, one of the best jobs um, in the world was setting up Microsoft's websites uh, all over the globe when when the internet was a brand new thing. And I'm kind of a tech geek, so and then a foodie, um, having gone through culinary school. So when I went through this program. I think in the back of my mind, I always knew that I had saboteurs, right? But I didn't really understand what they were and how they impacted me. And so seeing them on paper really, it kind of, it it, it all made sense all of a sudden, you know, it, it um, the pleaser part of me and being that I'm a program manager, I'm technical, I'm organized, I always seem to get asked to do the stuff, you know, can can you just take care of this? Or, you know, you're good at this. Can you just go ahead and uh, you know, to, to take over. And and I always said yes. I always wanted to do it, you know, and, and but I always took on a little bit too much. And um, also from volunteering, you know, with two kids and in, um, you know, teenagers and gone through all the volunteer PTA, always said yes, always said yes. Um, and then being that mom, everything kind of lands on mom's lap anyway. <laughs> so I found that I was tired and overwhelmed and and um so recognizing that that pleaser part it's is actually I you know I was able to use that very quickly and uh I had a an opportunity or we were in a big meeting when somebody said hey uh Kimberly you know you're working on this ERP program for us again one of the projects that just kind of fell on my lap because I'm technical and I'm organized you know can you just go set up the ERP for our company which turned into an over a year long project in addition to all of the other jobs that I have at the company and then I said, it'd be awesome. You're so organized and you're always really good at collecting the data. Could you just enter in all of our POs and our, you know, sales orders? I'm like, that's data, data entry. No, thank you. And so I finally was able to speak up for myself and recognize that my timing, uh, the time, the value of my time it was, you know, I just had to be able to say, you know, no, I couldn't, I can't do that. Um and then the hypervigilant part is always that kind of worrying about things. And that's what's held me back. And even when I started talking to Avi and Robert, I really said, you know, I love my job. Um, I, you know, I have a perfect job right now that I can, I see myself kind of being in for the long term. So I don't know if I really want to jump right in. And I don't know if I want to, you know, to go find clients. But I think in the back of my mind, really, it was kind of like, well, the what if, you know, what if I end up without health insurance or what if I, you know, I've got the, I just need to have the time for my kids. I, I have, my kids are, are ill. So, you know, having to take care, you know, having that time and having just that safety net of having that full-time employment. And so I always had in the back of my mind, you know, oh, something could, bad could happen. Um, in addition to having actually been in several true disasters, earthquakes, hurricanes, and, you know, all sorts of other crazy stuff. So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of that in the back of my mind. Anyway, so that was just very eye-opening to see those, to be able to recognize them, and now to be able to kind of take a moment and, and tamp them down a little bit. So 
my Mount Everest, and I really, again, hadn't thought a lot about it until just recently, because of the um, health factors with our family, I put a lot of life on hold and didn't dream very far, didn't look too far ahead. Um, again, craving that stability and really wanting to just um, live a safe life, <laughs> be safe, and be, you know, be comfortable. But now, um, just before this program started, I told Avi, you know, my, my grandmother passed away the week before we started. And it opened my eyes to the fact that we've been so focused on my grandmother, who was 98. My parents are not far, you know, they're they're in their almost in their 80s. And I realized we have spent the past 12 years completely focused on my grandmother. But now my parents, they sort of have their retirement back because they're going to go travel. And I decided that, you know, my family needs to do the same thing. You know, we need to take that time that we have with them and the time that I have with my kids, you know, to go and to be free. So, you know, being a digital nomad would be wonderful so that everybody else can live the life that I I already got a chance to explore the world, um, but they have not yet. And so I want to go explore them, but I still want to do the work that I love and be able to, to, um, to just, to, to see, you know, to see it through their eyes again. Anyway. So my professional background is kind of a mixed variety of things. I've got technical, um, I have international business, culinary, I'm an event planner. I was an event planner until right before the pandemic happened. So I was a director of special events and I was the first one laid off. And this is what led me through to Power BI. And when I took a look at the interest and the experience that I have, um, I've had that, you know, it was really neat to, to lay it out. And to, sh- to see, okay, well, I've got a lot of experience and interest in several different areas. Um, and I've got a lot of interest in other things. But being able to to un- to realize that that niche, I could pick what I wanted to do, but then change it if I have to later on. You know, so that learning about the art of the niche, niching down uh, was really was was really helpful for me to not feel trapped. That, you know, if I chose one and, oh, no, I, I might live in regret and um, to see that. But what really narrowed it down for me this time was <laughs> I received this spreadsheet from the vice president of our company. And this is how he was trying to tell the company where we were at with our liquor, beer, and wine sales. And this is for a different division. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Did somebody? Oh. Um, so so I, I, um, I received this and I was shocked and I said, okay, I really need to kind of switch divisions. And I made the proposal to him to say, can I help you with your, you know, with gathering the data and the information? And I really think that um, this could, you know, we could take a look by restaurants and then by the liquor, beer and wine. So this is where, you know, I've kind of gone down to that beverages overall as a category. So my value story has turned out to be, um, I help multi-unit restaurant groups make sense of their beverage data. So taking a look at the, the difference between just restaurants and then multi-unit restaurants. So our in our company, restaurant company, we have four main restaurants. Um, and to identify the, the opportunity for a P-mix, which is product mix, and to be able to purchase, figure out which vendors um, are giving us the best deals and where the biggest profit margin is. But to really look at it at each different location. Because I was shocked when we found out, you know, as I, I started mapping through things, that one of the restaurants was doing amazing and one of them who we thought is they're amazing as a whole. And so they're always receiving so much praise, but their beverage program was really, really on the low end. So they have a huge opportunity for growth. 
Um, so unlike the the point of sales reports that come in that are absolutely horrible, and the vice president had literally been looking at a table and he had been hand typing in each each of the numbers, you know, and hand, trying to hand calculate each one of them. Um, so I'm going to tailor the dashboards that are customized to really give overall company, but then also individual restaurant insights. So finally, again, um, the thing that helped that that really again another thing that that being able to say. I don't know everything. I don't know all the technical pieces about it, but really the experience in the different industries that I worked in is going to, um, Eamon's presentation of the day was amazing to help gain confidence. And yes, you know, I, I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to the business and I do know. And the the part about the technical, I can learn that, you know, I can learn it and I can learn it as I need it. And it's that iterative process of, you know, figuring out what you need and then going to build it and then doing again and again and just kind of building the reports to really be customized. Um, that the niche is not permanent, took a huge weight off my shoulders and just the power of this community and this group. So. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> that is super incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, well, hey, well uh, actually, Kimberly, can you, can you, sorry, can you share again quickly? Go of back course. here. Your value story. Oh. Go backwards. All right, so I'm just going to read it out loud. I help multi unit restaurant groups, love it, kind of very specific, makes sense of the services data, love it, and then you get more specific. So I'm, I'm imagining that they would know exactly what you mean by BMIX, right? Yeah. Yep, exactly. And that's why I I, kind of, I put it down at the bottom, you know, because I knew that you guys probably wouldn't have an idea, but P-Mix is yeah. just restaurant standard, you know, that's your product you guys, mix. But... That's the power of niching down, right? She says mm -hmm. P-Mix and all our audience goes, right? Their ears bark up. I mean, you know, yeah, you go around kind of waving your DAX story. You're like, oh, right. Yeah. So that's brilliant. That's really love that. I mean, of course, so if you soften it up for us, I mean, if you're going out there, I mean, you can even lead with that. And you can even play around with it. You, some Sometimes you lead with that. Hey, you know, who, who has trouble figuring out the PMIX? Something like that, right? Right. right PMIX. So, yeah, that's oh, that's magic power of niching down and purchasing opportunities for maximum profitability. Each location underscores that. That's the end goal. That's transformation. Like more money. Everybody likes that. And of course, this is the contrast. Unlike inflexible POS reports that are table-based and hard to read, our tailored dashboards that are customized with overall company and individual restaurant insights. Thank you, Kimberly. That's that's great. Um, uh, I'm trying to recall uh, what was it that Kimberly? Uh, yeah. So of course, uh, you you probably saw it on the on the team's chat, right? I've been raving about <laughs> when last time you spoke about your your niche. I'm like, man, that's so specific. So yeah. So we we see that kind of a little bit fleshed out here. Thanks so much. Anybody else has uh, any comments or questions? Kimberly. Hey, uh, I remember that you in an earlier version had um, beverage directors kind of targeted. Oh, let me put my camera on. Uh, as you've continued through, do you still think of them as your main target or do you think there are a couple different people that you're speaking to? I think so. So there's two different. So some restaurants are too small to have a beverage director. And so it's either the owner or the person who is a division manager, I think. And so that's and, and we haven't really had that. So at our company, we've got the four locations. And so that's why I kind of rethought it. You know, if I'm going and it depends, really, I think if it's going to depend if, if I want to speak to a single restaurant. 
I would probably say, you know, either your manager or your whoever oversees your beverage because somebody has to be ordering beverages, period, even though maybe that's not part of their that's not their full job or their title. But when it comes to the multi units, you know, we have some, you know, you probably have the same type of thing, but it's we have like four where they're too small. They're not an inner. They're not a national chain. Right. There are some national chains that they're going to have the executives that do that. But if you got four to maybe eight locations, you're probably not you're in that weird growth stage where you don't have dedicated people. So not yet, but but I don't know. I think I'll tailor depending on who I'm I'm actually speaking to at the company and what type. Okay. Oh. That's great. Good good question, Ian. And hey, there is no right or wrong way to do it. And I'll admit that I'm I'm also on this path. But Kimberly, what I would offer is that is that if you if you've tried the visualization of the client and if you do try it, if if that, and again, you, you, you're modeling a niche really around just one person or one persona, one ideal client, right? Uh, then uh, if that attribute does come up, it, it's okay to kind of think of one. Like, so mm -hmm. let's say in your ideal setting, there are these four, uh, four units, uh, but then one person is in charge and I don't know, maybe right. they have the beverage director title or they don't. Oh yeah, whatever comes up for you, but it's, it's okay to kind of craft in. So you can say, oh, it could be this in this scenario, that in this scenario. Well, but starting out again, you will say, oh, I'll just focus on this scenario, that person, and I'll talk mm -hmm. to them. It right. Just, and and right, I mean, every time I follow my own advice, I mean, for one, it really makes messaging so much easier, um, and that's it. So yeah, you can just try it, see how it works. All right, good stuff. Okay, cool. Let's uh, move on to Brahim. Uh, Brahim, uh, go ahead, share with us, uh, tell us about your niche, your value story. Uh, hello, everyone, and uh, awesome presentation, Kim, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to share today and uh, doing my best. <laughs> And uh, a little bit about me, I have background engineering in construction metallic, moved to United States 2008, started in food industry as crew member, most immigrants. And then uh, it got promoted all the way from shift leader, assistant manager, general manager, uh, running high flag stores, multi-million dollar stores. And uh, it worked uh, seven, uh, almost 11 years there, then transitioned to IT as a reporting and data analysis and uh, building dashboard and KPI. And uh, yeah, today my I will discuss, uh, I, I am married. Uh, we are blessed with two kids, four years old, two years old. And uh, yeah, I said, uh, yeah, I'm excited about life. Uh, my niche, uh, I help business owners in food industry understand and track their metrics so they can run efficient business and focusing on serving the customer, basically. Or I'm not sure about it, but save money by reducing forecasting errors so they can run efficient business without compromising the quality of customer service. Uh, my story, utilizing my 11 years old of experience, uh, started as core member and uh, promoted to shift leader, manage high flag stores, and uh, plus four years of working on data analysis, building dashboards and KPIs, 
And I understand the food industry very well. I went through all the, from crew members, store manager, and um, I understand the biggest challenge for store manager is just uh, forecasting sale. And so, uh, the, the, so they can schedule accordingly and order inventory so they can serve fresh food and deliver food with a smile. So, um, and also what other, another challenge is not, uh, manager not aware of local events around them and they don't know how much gonna impact their business. And so planning, I'm just, uh, my idea, I'm not sure that, uh, just like connecting API for local events and weather and to self data and see and using learning machines and see how Power BI and see how can uh, uh, minimize the forecasting error. And so manager can do a little bit adjustment and schedule and schedule accordingly so they can save not only money because uh, I have experience like last three months. I went, I went to a convention in Baltimore and then, and I went to Chipotle store there, but it was, <laughs> I understand Chipotle is very good brand, fresh food and everything. But that time it was convention, like thousands, 4,000 people there. And uh, the, they have to close, er, close the store early because they ran out of the products and everything. And also when I ordered my food, it took them 45 minutes to, I was waiting in, waiting with a lot of people then, or what expected, they gave me only half of the <laughs> half bowl and uh, missing uh, guacamole and everything. It was a, it, it's not only one time happened, it's a couple of times for me. So I'm trying to see if we can solve that. Uh, this system the, can help, Power BI can help uh, solve this issue. Just like tracking, uh, public holidays, with the school holidays, like uh, like weather, concert, and sport events. And uh, uh, my serving plan or selling plan, action plan is just like uh, define my ideal client and craft LinkedIn message note when we send a request. Just need to craft one and join to community of business owners. Uh, post more article related to topic or niche and also start reading. Uh, I got this book, How I Raised Myself from Success to Failure. Uh, I read this book one time, but I am planning to read it again this month. And I know one big, big takeaway, what is stuck in my mind, is just be authentic. Don't be somebody else, you know, and uh, that uh, track my daily activities and make corrections and adjustments along my process. Yeah. And thank you so much for all your attention. And please, if you have any comment, or, uh, really appreciate it. Thank you again. Wow. So folks, this is, man, it's, it's, I'm always, uh, yeah, you know, you've heard me talk about it, right? And sometimes I'm like, I don't know who's helping whom. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, when I hear some of the stories from Remembers, it's incredible. So, Brian, thanks for sharing that. Boy, that was like a tour de force. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. You have an incredible journey. But what I'm more excited about is that clearly you also have a pretty incredible journey ahead of you. So, hey, do you mind sharing your screen again? Take us to the yeah. niche slide. Yeah. 
Yeah, and by the way, I love that Chipotle story. So I was I was imagining this future you like yeah you're you're speaking the stage and you start with that Chipotle story. It's like here I was oh. at a convention and you know and yeah. you know, 45 minutes waiting and it was you know didn't even have guacamole in it or whatever right. <laughs> so yeah so yeah you kind of paint the picture and then then you talk yeah. about the problems. Um, uh, great. So hey, uh, have you had a chance to look at the the value story uh, framework? Uh, not. I just saw it, but I did not. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, you can you can get back to that. This is good. Yeah. So, folks, uh, uh, yeah, just uh, any 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 thoughts, comments for Brahim on this? Just to reiterate that part about the weather and the school events, we have the same thing at our restaurants, right? The prom and you know the nights that you think are going to be quiet and you're slammed and you haven't planned for the service staff and and the prep work. That's that's huge. I w I'm trying to figure that out as well. So I look forward to seeing what you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. I I really think you're onto something. Uh, take a, so so this one. I I I will say that I kind of like the second one more. The second. first one is a little generic. Generic. Right? So understand the metrics right up. I mean, so sometimes I think about that, right? I mean, um, so take what you have. Okay. And imagine you saying that to a different business and would it work or would it not work? Yeah. But, you know, generally, if you're like, oh, no, it wouldn't work, they would be like, well, you know, go away. Right. So, again, a niche, you want to be like magnets. Yeah. And the first time I heard my coach talk about this, I'm like, yeah, I want to attract people to me, make money. And it's like, no, 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 no. What a magnet does is it attracts and repels. And really, you can't do one without the other. Another one of my coach, um, he had this thing about that. He, he was talking about public speaking. And he said, if you spoke at a stage and if you didn't piss off one person, then you didn't do your job. Then you didn't put yourself out there. And Brahim talked about this being authentic. Trust me, guys, in this world, I mean, if you're going to be authentic, you do piss people off. <laughs> I mean, as I've gotten on the journey of, you know, being more and more authentic. Yeah, I do get emails, comments like, ah, this is bullshit. You're saying I don't need to work hard to succeed. Yeah, man, I'm out of here. I'm like, okay, see ya, you know, so, or not see ya, right? So, yeah, so, so, yeah, so, um, yeah, so see, um, do you think that was good? So, coming back to this, um, yeah, see what applies to other business. So, I'm just going to read that out loud just to make it kind of really obvious, right? So, imagine any business in the world, right? Maybe a specific business or Coca Cola, the way we want to manage, right? I say, understand and track your metrics so you can run efficient business focusing on serving your customer. Tell me a business that it, doesn't apply to they would kind of nod their head but again but we're not getting the 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 punch right the gut punch and of course kimberly had that great example said, oh yeah you want to figure out your p-mix whoa that repels that's going to repel 99 percent of people which is a good thing right they're going to what huh but the one percent are going to be like what did you say right so yeah so so yeah i like the next one save money better than forecasting errors the compromising quality service but I think you got some more goodness. And again, this is an iterative process. It's the infinite game. Simon said it's infinite game. So go to the next slide or maybe the next next where you had, where you're talking about exactly what Kimberly pointed out. Yeah. yeah. So I think this is, is really cool. Uh, I, I like both of these, like forecasting the sales uh, and schedule accordingly. And, and yeah, somehow this is like so much more specific because uh, I don't even know that much about the food industry, but, but I can see how this would be like really related. See on the schedule, and of course the local events thing is is important too. Mm, yeah, you can play around, and again you can see 
you can talk to people, seems manageable. Both of these, I think, are like gold mines. Either of these. There's no, there's no wrong choice yet. This is both good stuff. Um, love it. And of course, folks, again, the power of kind of niching down, of course, in a lot of cases, you would bring that experience. And by the way, you're, you're never starting new. Don't feel yourself like a rookie or anything. Don't think of yourself with that. Don't act that way. Don't think that way. If you don't think that way, you won't act that way because you always have that. But of course, in, in Brahim's case, it's, it's very apparent. Like he talked about, yep, I've done this myself. I've risen through the ranks and I've done, I know everything about scheduling and labor and this and that. Whew, man, that's some good stuff. All right, cool. Uh, Brahim. Yeah. Thank yeah, you so much for the feedback and comments, everyone. So for like save reducing forecasting, I mean, it's my, I never built that, but it's just like long journey, right? So how I can use that? Uh, I put this uh, added two points. So I, I, I'm thinking start with the first one, then second one. Once I build it, like dashboard. Well, uh, what would so you the think? challenge. What is the challenge in this day and age to get sales? We are all. If you're all, everybody's trying to get one thing from people, one thing alone, attention. It's all about that. It's a game of attention. That's it, right? I mean, you can have the miracle thing for me, which will make me, uh, one of my friends used to joke, it's like, hey, there could be an email sitting in my inbox. And, you know, it's like, hey, I'm you know, looking to pay me a million dollars. I would know because, because he was just overwhelmed, right? So attention is what we're fighting for. So think about this. Think about and again, you you you've got to operate with that one client in mind, one ideal okay. client. They're a real person, right? Again, that's how you want to imagine it. Not as a demographic. It's a real person, right? With the worries and with the family stuff going on, kids drop off, whatever. Whoever your ideal client is, they have a real person. They have a real life, and you're trying to get their attention. Think about that person. And yeah, if you feel the number one would get their attention go for that. If you think number two, go with that, right? But I will say okay. that from, from two here, uh, even this one is a little softer. I love the other one. And I even like, like reducing forecasting error. I don't know. It just seems to be hitting it sideways. Uh, if you go to the next Can slide I? again. Yeah, uh, uh, sorry, hold on, guys. Just let me finish this one thought. I like kind of that more... Um, which said about, oh, if you can do forecasting better, you can do scheduling better. And I like like that one. Uh, cool. Somebody, um, uh, sorry, I kept cutting somebody off. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say same thing you were saying, Avi, which is pull some of the things from the second slide in. Where you, and I also like number two better. So be saying something like, you know, incorporating the impact of you know local events on forecasting. Um, something like that so that you can save money and, you know, because Kimberly confirmed that, yes, that is an issue that it sounds like somebody in the industry would be like, oh, yeah, that's a problem that I have. I'm not I'm not incorporating uh, these um, local events and the impact on sales. And so that's like what you have there is challenge. I would pull that into your into your niche there in terms of I help people, you know, you know, to, to, with their forecasts, you know, and the impact that uh, local events are going to have on it, obviously tighten yeah. up the wording, but that brings it more to me. That makes it, as you said, that makes it more specific, less like, you know, doesn't apply to all industries. It's, you know, 
I mean, the company that's manufacturing the local events don't have any impact on us. Um, But it sounds like if you're in the the food service industry, oh, this could have a big impact. Yeah. I like what Ian wrote in the chat as well for that. Ah, oh, uh, actually, uh, let's see. So, you know, unlike traditional forecasting, it's only the day of the week. So, local events, weather, and so much more. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, that that's some good stuff. And I liked uh, what Kimberly said too. She took the same thing and kind of flipped it, right? So, reduce errors, increase forecasting accuracy. I like that. Um, so, there's this, um, I, I think I talk about it somewhere in the lessons. Uh, hopefully, I do. I talk about the problem solution roller coaster. Um, and it's a lovely thing. And, and of course, um, you've heard me talk about like the best version of the stories we tell is not going to be monologues, right? So I, I know when, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I give the impression the story is you stand up on a stage and deliver your story, but no, the best ones are going to be conversational. So uh, let's just try it out just for fun. Uh, which is, hey, so you say, you say something, yeah, I mean, uh, t- tell me about your store and da-da-da, something like that. I say, hey, so do, do you guys, does this ever happen where uh, it's like a big event in town and suddenly you, uh, suddenly you find yourself short-staffed and, you know, short on ingredients and all of that stuff? And and it's like, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, man, yeah, that thing happened. And, yeah, you there were like lines out the door, exactly what you're saying, 45 minutes wait, and, yep, and staff was crazy, and they were complaining to me, and we ran out of this, and, yeah, it was kind of a disaster. Uh, and then you can kind of prod them more if you want to like, say, hey, what, what do you think? What was the like revenue you lost? And with that event and maybe other events like this over the year, what is the impact on staff and so forth? Like, do you think that uh, uh, contributes to churn, turnover, employee turnover, da, da, something like that, right? So uh, so that's a problem, right? We're focused on the problem. And then you go to solution. That wouldn't be great if you could, if you could uh, schedule things better, right? Where you had the events lined up so you knew when to staff up, when to have... I don't know, more ingredients in the stuff. So they'll be like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so that's the solution. And then you take the problem again. And so the problem is, of course, being able to forecast accurately, right? So you can't schedule if you can't forecast. So you kind of back them into it. So yeah, maybe the thing you're delivering is around forecasting of sales, uh, lined up with this events and all of the other stuff, weather and so forth. Um, but yeah, you back into it. Again, just... Just, you know, the, the idea with this is to have fun. And of course, uh, it, it, the best version is generally the conversational one. And that would let you get to try it. But man, you got some, what I call this like good bones. This is like really good bones. And that means you can do a lot with it. So um, yeah, love it. Awesome, folks. Brahim, thank you so much. Um, oh, yeah. He, Good, good thoughts here. Like Ian is like, yeah, dig, dig it in. So some, uh, so guys, I'm, I've gotten really careful about my words. Like sometimes uh, I use like the spear fishing and net fishing as analogies to explain our approach. I don't use that anymore because I don't want to see my customer as being the end of a spear. That's silly. But um, <laughs> but what Ian is doing, wonder how many bad Google reviews came situations like that. <laughs> there is another phrase, which I need to find a substitute for. They would call it digging in the knife. And again, I don't want to imagine my customer that way, but it's kind of true. Like they would talk about like you talk about the problem, you stick the knife in, but then you kind of turn it, you, you kind of let them feel it. So yeah, all right. So um, yeah, it's good stuff there. Uh, cool. So let's see. Uh, what's I lost uh, my order? Uh, Margaret, we have Margaret up next. Margaret, go ahead and share. Uh, tell us about Anish and your story. 
And so I, I've, um, all I've got written up is what my value statement is. So I'm going to save that until I'm ready for it. So you're not all reading it and thinking about it while I'm talking. <laughs> Love it. But um, for me, one of the hardest parts of this journey of moving into doing Power BI, you know, more and more and more is telling the story of what is it? Why does it matter? Why is this different than just, you know, hiring me to clean up your accounting messes, which I've done for most of my career and I'm tired of cleaning up accounting messes. <laughs> um, and so I, I, and as Avi pointed out in an earlier call sometime last time, last year, I can get really enamored with the tech and the cool solution and how great it's going to be and not realize how little the other person has bought in. I mean, they, they want the result, but they don't want to take it any further. And so like building out a, um, a conversion of a spreadsheet-based time tracking thing into something in Power BI where you put the information in once and all that. Well, even though he said, I want a single source of truth, I want this automated, I don't want all these errors and inconsistencies, he didn't really. He just wanted it a little bit better than it was. And so so there's a, been a disconnect, but going through the um, value statement process has been so, so super helpful for me. Um, so my background is in finance. I've done a lot of work for nonprofits over the years. But in, again, going through Avi's examples and the lessons, I was amazed for the value story of I build reports for sales teams that let them know exactly how they're doing against targets. I built that report, but it was not automated. I mean, this was before I even knew Power BI. It was all in Excel and cut and paste from the from the point of sale system and, and all that. But oh, that can be a niche. That Anything, really anything can be a niche. Um, but so that, that was encouraging. And then um, Eamon's presentation, because one of my my things, even you know, several years ago, is I want to be that trusted business partner. I want to know the business so well that they can come to me and I can give them what they need quickly, easily, correctly, accurately, and be valued for doing that. Um, and Eamon's there. I mean, that he's my point B. <laughs> You know, when you talk about think of where you want to be at point B and then start acting like that now. It's like, okay, well, I'm not sure quite how I how I channel Amen, but it it was so encouraging that that that's possible, that this tool, that this approach um can get me someplace where I've wanted to be for years. So um I've iterated a lot on my niche because is it is it nonprofits, faith based faith based nonprofits, is it well that was like with um I'm sorry, I don't remember who it is, but who does the warehouse reporting and has templates. Well, I've done some donor analysis and tracking and reporting for nonprofits. That could be a product that then I can, you know, or a template or whatever that can just drop into new situations. So my brain has been sort of all over the place on this. Um, and then I also realized that with my current client, which I, I mentioned in um response to Barry's post about the hit list and the shit list. My current client is kind of kind of more on the shit list side with glimmers of, okay, here's something that actually will help you make decisions instead of just, oh, good grief, can we get the banks reconciled? Um, and a lot of just data cleanup from a, a conversion. Anyway, the, the previous controller left the week before going live because he did none of the prep. So... So that's why it's such a mess. 
But there's also the possibility with them to do some of the stuff that I've always wanted to do with, the, especially for a company that I know so well. I was there for five years. Um, so so the, the brain's just been kind of zinging around all over the place on what actually is is the value statement that I want to have. Um, I, I think, again, from that hit list um, discussion, one of the things I really want is companies that want to leverage their financing pro- information, not companies that just sort of barely tolerate accounting as a necessary evil, and that's how you get the monthly reports. That they, I've worked for a lot of owner owner operators, you know, founders that are still deeply involved in the business, and they know better than whatever the numbers say. And and so there, there's a little bit of um, a baggage, we'll say, from that. Um, as far as saboteurs, my my top ones were hyper rational and the stickler. So which is why you're not seeing a PowerPoint from me today, because I knew the stickler would have a field day. And I just said that there's not the value in that at this point. Um, so I just told it, shh, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be, I just have to do this. Um, and so then when I was talking with Avi, he was asking when I was going to have a Power BI client or what my goal was for that. Um, I have someone that I want to talk to about um and it's actually someone in the insurance industry, which is my sort of second value statement. Um, I'm thinking towards the end of April to talk with him. They've got some so a grandchild with some health issues that was just born. We've got Easter. I mean, there, there are a number of things, as well as my current client, um, that even if I turn them into a Power BI consulting agreement or your work, I still would want to get something that is much more purely bi dashboarding than finance cleanup stuff um so my target with that get through the sales materials um practice a lot and then have the conversation with them it's a good friend of my husband so he wants to help it i can blend that informational interview with is there anything you know that i could help you with if that's appropriate in the conversation so um but kind of understanding more what their pain points are as well. So I've done a lot of projects um, with Power BI and with DAX, but they've all been really messy and in the context of complicated business relationships. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to, to leaving that behind me. That That's sort of my Mount, Mount Everest thing of just not being in the role of cleaning up stuff that nobody cared about until it started impacting the decision, you know, the, the owner's. And then they just want it fixed. They don't don't they don't want to build on it. They just want it fixed, make it stop hurting, get us reports on time so we can keep the bank happy. So it's so I'm unlearning a lot of that. But anyway, so that, that's kind of my background. Um, let me share the screen. This one is that so you can see I have I um, help finance and business teams. Can you see that? Okay, so I help finance and business teams solve problems with Power BI. That's a simple one sentence. And then I help your finance team become a powerful strategic partner for your business by automating reporting. And the commas are so that it would quit quit showing me grammatical corrections. (laughs) So uh, become a strategic partner for your business by automating reporting. 
so that your team can spend more time analyzing your business results than they spend on creating reports about those results. And unlike manually created reports or your system's canned reports, thank you, Kimberly, for pointing that out, um, I transform the scramble of creating reliable and accurate reports into the joy of interactive tools that let you all quickly analyze your business and your results. So I like, I mean, this is the best it's gotten. I, I think there's still a lot of room for kind of trimming it. It seems wordy still. Um, but then the second one, because I've got a good friend that works in insurance and we've talked through the years, um, about she's actually the first one that showed me a report in power pivot and she was dropping things into the pivot table and saying i can drill down and using this tool i discovered that this region of the city why we have such a high loss ratio is because it's the kids of the rich people that are friends of the agent that they keep insuring them after they've had an accident when the kids should have been placed on a high risk policy she said, that's costing us a ton of money. And I was able to tell the insurance company about that and the power seeing the power of that. Um, so I help your underwriters make better decisions by giving them tools to easily analyze agency performance and loss ratios by line, region, agency, all the way down to the individual agent level or specific loss drivers. They being the underwriters um, can have data to support which underwriting decisions require much closer scrutiny or to inform agencies of hidden risks like the continuing to reinsure um, young drivers that have accidents. Instead of carrier-specific loss reports, which may be CVS files or individual PDFs, I consolidate all your data sources and create dashboards which give you a consistent format and easy-to-use tools to get the insights that's been buried under piles of reports. And I have a little bit of a, a success story, well, sort of with that. Um, the current agency where my friend is at, they have a guy that does Power BI reports that don't load, that are slow, that are cumbersome. I talked with him, I think, three or four times about doing some work with them. And so I made a lot of suggestions about what I would do to improve it, like don't pay, load all your data into the model. Um, you can pull data out of PDF reports and be able to analyze it. You can all of this. Well, he's then turned around and told him, I talked to Margaret and what she told me I'm, I can use and I can now do this all myself. I talked to him 18 months ago and he hasn't done it yet, but he showed me who he was. I don't want to work with this guy because he, he, Anyway, he doesn't do what he says he's going to do. He doesn't follow through. He blame shifts. I've worked for too many people like that already. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you've shown me who you are. I don't want to work with you, but I'm still fascinated by the, the potential and the immediate impact in the insurance industry of reporting like this, what it can do. So questions, feedback, thoughts? <laughs> Boy, that's some good stuff. Um, so, hey, there's a quote that I like. Uh, I think it's from Socrates. It's uh, a life unexamined is not worth living. And, uh, well, I'll say for a long time, I don't want to be too hard on my former self, but I think the only lens that I examined my life was mm -hmm. things that I lacked and then things that I wanted, right? So, mm -hmm. like, I want more money. I want that promotion, da, 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 all this stuff. Why don't I have this? The other person has it. They got promoted. They got this. And that was that was not a good way. But um, I I definitely say I feel it feels incredibly inspiring to look at our members here 
and just see how much self-awareness is there. So yeah, Margaret, I think just starting everything you shared about yourself, that's a great sign. You, yeah, so that's that's a good step. Uh, folks, any any thoughts, comments for Margaret on either of these, insurance company or the finance and business? I can I can shrink them so they can both show on one page. Yeah. Margaret, what you said about the owner operators and kind of the understanding of maybe you don't want to deal with that kind of nonsense going on. I, yeah. I think that, that resonated with me because every once in a while I'll get asked to create a report and I'm like, you're comparing two numbers that you really that don't make sense to compare. Oh, no, no. But it just makes the percentage look a little bit better. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like having that power, you know, trying try to empower yourself to say, I'm not going to do that. Well, or, or like yeah. what you said with no, I'm not doing the data entry. I mean, that that's yeah, that's so yeah. fantastic. And they, they probably went, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, Margaret, what yeah. business is your current client in? Uh, retail luxury jewelry sales. OK, thank you. Yeah. Sorry if you said that. I, I missed. No, it. I didn't. I didn't. OK, but it's a a, a chain of. Well, they opened a new store last year, so five stores um, in the North Carolina. Gotcha. And the software conversion, uh, they moved off of something that was they've been using for 25 years. And three years passed when the company started stopped supporting the product. <laughs> I mean, the company has, has, is no longer, this is no longer, that's no longer a viable product. Um, they finally switched software last summer uh, so nine months ago but uh, it, yeah anyway but you know high-end like luxury retail jewelry and they know the jewelry business fantastic i mean they really really know their business but if they had a little bit better you know details that they don't already know they could do so much more Thank they you. could do so much more they um Folks, uh, let's call the first one A, and let's call the second one B. Uh, let's do a quick quote, type in a message. Which one do you think is more powerful? Just type in type in A or B. A is the first one, B is the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah just your subjective opinion is okay. <laughs> That's what we're looking for. Very interesting. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, kind of tied. He, well, I mean, uh, Margaret can tally the words. Uh, of course, um, uh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> okay. A little Maybe stronger towards A. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I'm not sure how to read that though. I mean, is that because that's. Uh, yeah, well, I'll just share my thoughts. I'll cast my word. I, okay. I, I think, uh, yeah, I feel, I don't know, maybe they're more finance people. <laughs> they're biased, or maybe they're we should listen to the people. people. Okay. Or maybe we should listen to the people. Uh, so maybe maybe take what I'm going to say with a pinch of salt. But I feel um, the second one is, I like that one better. I like I like B. Yeah, I'm, because I'm, again, finance, I'm finance person and, and my niche is insurance and insurance broker. So, Margaret, if you pursue this road, uh, we have a lot to talk about. So, so okay. reach out to me. Uh, and, uh, oh, okay. It can who, be combined. Who was and, it? I didn't catch who was talking. <laughs> yeah. Jan. That was Jan. Jan. Jan okay, great. Yeah. 
so um, so again, what I said earlier about you take what you're saying, and I think we tried it with Brahim, right? We took his number one and mm-hmm. we said, would it work for any other business? And yeah, the number one statement, I think it was so generic, it would work for any other business. Mm-hmm. And I think this, I, I see something similar in A and B. A would fit a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. B is on the other end. Right, you go talk to anybody this on the street, they would go, uh, right? It's yeah. almost the PMIX level, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, and that's why I love that. And, guys, I think that's where the magic is. Because, guess what? Everybody does A. And I've done A for a long time. I still do. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to empower your team and all that stuff. I, now I, I know better, but I still can't help it. Well, that's okay. But, you know, so, so yeah, and so you can get better. So I like B. And not that – it's not about – so I don't know. Maybe I worded my question wrong. It's, it's, it's not about, like, which is the right niche, better niche. Who knows? Nobody knows. But um, – so even if you go with A, you focus on finance and business teams. But what mm-hmm. if you, you iterate it? And you can do that over time. You don't have to do that before you start, for sure, okay. right? It's important. What is it? It's um, – you, you don't have to be perfect to start, but you do have to get started to become perfect, right? So, um, so yeah, so, uh, but if you iterated through that and you raised A to the level of B, whew, that would be something, right? And again, so so that's good stuff. Um, let me see. Oh, I just had... Yeah, Mike has his hands up. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Margaret, I think, and I apologize, my team's locked up, so I missed part of your description of both of them it locked up right as you pulled this out um but just kind of reading it uh i, th- I think the there's more of a there's more of a what's in it for me from a, like a reading it from a client perspective mm-hmm. in that statement a but like your statement b is a lot more specific so i think if you could take that same energy from a and apply it to b then you're like i think you're really hitting it on both ends wow Love that. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I realized as I was writing it that one of the key parts of part A is people have got to want their finance team to be a strategic business partner. Yeah. And and I again we'll we'll see how this goes through the rest of my journey. That feels like a unicorn to me. You know, like um, there's a mythical beast out there called a team that uh, a business that values their finance team. And I I, and again, that's just coming out of my work history. Um, So if I can find somebody like that and and that's one of the things with the guy that I want to talk to in April, um, I think he I think he's not so. He's not a founder of the company, I think is one of the big things. Um, but but the, there may, I believe that there are people, I listened to some of the stories that, that others in the ProPlus group have told, that I think that's possible, but I'm not sure I believe it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say just, um, you know, I mean, I think it would help to loosen your grip on that a bit. And I, mm-hmm. I love questions. I think questions are like jamming that foot in the door. Right. So. <laughs> Yeah, so you could just and and you could do it like an affirmation, like every morning you wake up or when you start working, it's like, oh, uh, I, I wonder if there's something out there, somebody out there who's who's really cares for the business, or um, or uh, you know, today I'm gonna I'm gonna meet my ideal client who really cares about their finance stuff and so forth. So okay. yeah, you know, try a few things there, and then of course um, maybe we're looking at at a 
at a at a slightly different level. Like um, mm-hmm. like what I say is that nobody cares about Power BI. If I went around and started looking to people who care about Power BI, I think the real number is zero. So it's the same thing with finance. How many people care about finance? I think the number is zero. They care mm-hmm. about what finance lets them do. Right. And if I started caring about those things, then we can sit down and talk. But then, right, so so yeah, so if I started caring about what Power BI enables them to do, which is what they really care about, whoa, then I can have a lot of conversations. But if I keep looking for Power BI, I was like, ah, oh, no, no. So yeah, so so of course I'm exaggerating a little bit. And sometimes, sometimes my example is silly, but um, I love this exaggeration bit. It, it kind of makes it makes it clear. So um, so yeah, so there's something there. And and yeah, actually I was thinking about that when you when you mentioned kind of owner operator. I'm like, man, it's a big world out there. Yeah. And I think that's painting with a broad brush. I've heard so much of those. Like, think about solopreneurs, the kind of business that I run. Mm-hmm. And people talk about small business and say, oh, small business don't have money. <laughs> like, dude, you don't know the number of solopreneurs I know who are just flush with money and all the problems that come with it. <laughs> and I mean, the business has scaled so fast and so big. They're just waiting for help. They're just waiting for you. So, so, so okay. yeah, so. Yeah. It's a big world out there. And again, that's why I love kind of that one ideal client. You have that vision in you and and you can attract them to you. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, we'll take it step by step. Don't don't go too hard on yourself. Just yeah. small step by step. And yep. yeah, and, and I was able to get the, the stickler to just hush and watch and not run yeah. the show. Yeah. And again, just plant the question because it's hard to argue against the questions. Like, yeah. What if? What if there was somebody out there? Oh, wouldn't that be cool if I found them or they found me? Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah. So yeah, start start with the what if. Um, okay, great. Good, Thank you. Thank you all stuff. for the feedback. Uh, by the way, I put that in the chat because I didn't want to miss it, and I'm glad I did. Which is uh, sometimes we learn together. So uh, the panel that I saw was uh, Margaret's story about that rich kids being in short. That was powerful. Uh, that was. I think that was really powerful. I think that was equally powerful as Brian's story. <laughs> a Brian's story, I could I could get most of it. This one, I was like, you know, a little outsider to the insurance industry, so I was trying to catch on. But I think it was equally powerful, which is something interesting for the group to ponder upon. Maybe, maybe that's the origin story, right? And uh, maybe we all have it in some way. We have to. We all started some way, how we got the idea. Um, but if you do find something like that, I'll say hold on to it dearly because it's going to be really powerful when you start communicating, start talking to people. And again, you might do that on a stage or the most powerful setting is often one-on-one. So yeah, but imagine starting with that Chipotle story or Margaret talking about you know, the, the, the insurance with their rich kids and so forth and how that doesn't work. Whew, that, was, that was really powerful. All right, cool. So we, we're, I'm not really managing the time that well. But hopefully we still have folks. So let's see if uh, some folks had to drop off. Uh, Charles, you are up next. Uh, go ahead and share with us what you have for your niche and your value story. Uh, thank you, Avi. I'm also going to share my story without a presentation, and then I'll put up the notes okay. at the yeah, end. That's good. Um, so I'm going to share my MVP story 
and then also the uh, the value story. So my MVP story started like this. I said, I solve problems for businesses in the fruit and nut supply chain with Power BI. But then when I when I started looking at the who, I got into this businesses thing and I thought, who are these businesses? And then I, then I came up with four kinds of businesses. So the first is growers or farmers. Then the second one is packers. The third one is, is the marketing businesses. And then the last one would be uh, the suppliers to retailers. We, in South Africa, we call them pre-packers. So I then changed my MVP story to say that I solve problems for growers, packers, marketers, and pre-packers in the fruit and nut supply chain. So when I moved over to the value story, um, I couldn't Uh, guys, is it just me or did we? Did we yeah, I then went and, and created three value stories. Okay, so so Charles, we lost you for a bit, but it sounded like uh, with the value story, you uh, the last thing I heard was you you ended up creating three value stories, right? I guess you can keep going, yeah. Oh no. Oh. Okay, if uh, yeah, I don't know if uh, the uh, if you, if the connection seems spotty. Uh, you can even try turning your video off. At least we'll have your audio. Uh, up to you. Okay, thank you, Avi. Um, sorry about that. Can you can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah we can. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So uh, I decided to create these three value stories. Um, so the first one would be for the for the farmers or the growers. So I said I help fruit and nut farmers reduce the frustration of reconciling grower, packers and marketing data so that they can focus on farming. And then I said, unlike doing these reconciliations manually from uh, different documents, all your data and variances For the packer and marketer, I said I help fruit and nut packers and marketers reduce the workload of grower reporting so that the admin personnel have time available to add value to the business. And then I said, unlike emailing reports to growers, my reports give the growers direct access to secure information. Then the last one is the pre-packer value story, where I said, I help fruit pre-packers improve their gross profit margins with daily refreshed 
and automate the GP reports so that they can be more profitable. And then I said, unlike other professionals, and uh, I stole a bit from you, Yavi, I, I said, I give you the choice of having your people trained and empowered to run and update their own reports or have a full turnkey service from me. So that's my story. I'm going to um, share it with you on the screen. That'll be great, yeah. All right, can you see the the, um, the notes on Word? Yep, we can. Do you mind uh, scrolling down? Actually, uh, let's do this. Uh, can you go to the view? And I think in Word, you can do like a multiple page. So view, uh, multiple pages. Yeah, let's see if you can try that. So go, go to the view menu up top. And yeah, kind of in the middle, in the Zoom section, there's this multiple pages. Let's try that. No, oh, that didn't really work. <laughs> I was imagining it's going to show two pages side by side. What? Anyway, um, sorry, scroll down. So I got, um, uh, I just figured I would take a quick screenshot on my side. So I have backer and marketer. Okay, got it. So I was only missing the last one. Uh, by the way, what a journey, folks. And I'm so excited for you. Um, it's yeah, yeah. So, so happy with y'all. So, so folks, of course, for me, the the big thing that I wrote down was that this journey that Charles went through, where he started. Oh, I mean, I, I can't say enough. This is this is exactly like I can't think of a better example. And actually, I really thank Charles. Thank you so much, because in a way, you showed us how the sausage was made, right? So. And that I think is valuable for me. I think that is valuable for every single member. It's like, yep, you don't get to like, it doesn't, there's no lightning bolt from the sky and like, oh, I have my value story. No, you, you know, you started off as something, you know, kind of uh, the MVP, the fruits in the supply chain, then he kind of fleshed it out. What are these four peoples? And then he was like, oh, okay, I help growers, packers, marketing, pre-packers. Then he tried to do the value story and then it kind of didn't work. So he split in three, which is, which is a good sign, by the way. I'll share one thing with you. I, I think I've talked about this. Um, a lot of new things that we are doing, what I sometimes do is I start with like the sales page. And you don't have to build an actual sales page, but you have to think about what the sales page would look like, essentially what that offer would be. And and then you back up from that. And, and sometimes, so um, folks, you've heard me talk about, and I think Ian is going to be hosting a session discussing the uh, how to leave the nine to five mindset behind. And one of the classic things that I say is that in my nine to five mindset, I felt opportunities were limited. So I had to fight for them. And of course, as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, you realize opportunities are limitless. So my job is kind of the opposite. It's to, it's to kind of refocus. But um, um, uh, it, 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 yeah, so I think... Um, uh, it was it was good to see Charles go through that. So, um, uh, Charles, I'm just curious: Are you gonna pursue kind of all three? Are you gonna focus on one? Do you know which one? So, Avi, the, the there's 
the ones that I want to that I think is going to be the best or maybe easier to pursue would be the grower. I've already I've already done quite a bit of that. Okay. And then the pre-packer the pre-packer would be second. I've also done quite a bit of that. The reason why I've got these three stories or the three let's say different customers is that the work with the with the data is very similar for all three of them so mm. it's not like one of them is a totally new area for me um yeah. it's it's while you're working on the one thing you can also cover something else um and and i know in probably an ideal world i shouldn't have three i should have one um, but that's the way I've worked it out at the moment, and maybe as I go, I'll change it. But um, yeah. I want to have the three, and I want to focus. Well, my main focus will be on the grower and the pea packer. Great. I, I, I'll say I don't know. And again, there's no right or wrong, but but I'll 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 say. And hey, this is I say these things because these are reminders for me too. Is like it's usually better to focus on le- less is more. So again, I was talking about the nine to five mindset, right? So challenges and opportunities are limited. So we got we to go for every opportunity. That's how I operated. But no, opportunities are unlimited. So how do we maximize the chances by going all in, right? So imagine if you nailed one of them, right? Just even just had one, uh, in one, you know, kind of that engagement, strong engagement with the grower, which was like the shining beacon and that helped you attract other growers. And you ended up dominating that, dominating all growers. Wouldn't you want that rather than, yeah. So, so, uh, and again, uh, I mean, you would know your situation. So, but I'll say, consider that thought. What if you went, what would it look like if you went all in for one and grower, I think came up first for you. And again, you can just test it out. You can give yourself, a month if you want a month three months six months up to you whatever feels right and say yeah let me just go all in and see how that works uh cool good stuff any any thoughts for Charles? any thoughts comments all right thanks Charles. and guys I'll, i'll say that again yeah i mean it it that moment where Charles realized that, oh, I can't quite have that sales pitch or offer or value story, right? Value story is kind of all of that combined um, well, for I, them. I had a comment. Too generic. Um, sorry, let me just finish this thought. So, so yeah, so the, what you're going to find is the more specific you get, it's so much easier to communicate and talk and craft that message. Uh, the Pro Plus program, the first iteration, I was... Uh, it was like, if you want to grow, it, it had like both paths. It had, if you want to grow in your job inside your company, it is for you. And if you want to leave your job and progress as an independent consultant, it's for you as well. Can you imagine how shitty my messaging was? It was the worst. But of course, <laughs> agile BI, agile approach, right? So that's where I started, but I, I struggled. And Next time I dropped in, I'm like, guys, I, I can't do this, <laughs> you know, because I stumbled talking every time I had to open my mouth and talk about it. So I'm just going to do one. Uh, we will. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we'll talk about doing multiple niches sometime. Well, that's later. All right. I think it was Margaret. Uh, yes. Margaret, go for it. Yeah. 
Um, and Cheryl, I had just one comment. I think it's great how you were specific with each of those three potential um, groups of, of people involved in the supply line, the supply chain. Uh, you weren't just saying reconcile their reports. You were saying specifically, you know, it's, it's clear that you've talked to each of those groups, that you know what the growers need, which is different than what the, I, I don't have, um, it's not on the screen any longer, but but you know specifically each one of those, which adds a lot of power to it, whichever one you are using at the time to talk to somebody. Love it. Yeah, thank That's you, Margaret. Point. And, and guys, I'll I'll kind of, caution you so there's this concept of duality that i talk about where two opposing things can be true at the same time <clears throat> so uh the duality here is that uh, um yeah as charlotte's saying well they're not that much different you know i'm not like yeah it's not like yeah yeah they're kind of same and um um i often feel that way right and of course i i hear that from folks and members like yeah but i can help them I mean, i've helped that company i've helped this industry and i'll help that industry and yeah they're kind of the same they weren't really different well yeah you can do it all but i think that's that's a risky approach that works well when things are on the upswing when you're in demand when right probably professionally are in demand but Man, as life has taught me, and if anything, COVID was such a huge lesson for everybody. You don't know what's coming, and they're always ups and downs, and they always come from a new direction, right? So, I don't want short term. I don't want when I'm riding the freaking roller coaster. I'm done with that. I did that for 15 plus years. That's not really being in control of your career in life. I want something better. I want to float above all that shit, right? Ooh, that feels great. Uh, but yeah, but you're not gonna do that by being kind of generic. So, so yeah, I mean, Charlotte can help a lot of all of those. Uh, and maybe at some point he will, because that's still niche down enough. Uh, I, I'm not and as familiar. Avi, uh, sorry. Mm -hmm. I've got a question, Avi. Um, yeah. Something that, that I've been thinking about, about niching down. So what worries me about it is that if you keep niching down at some stage, you're going to get to a, let's say, a customer pool, which I think is going to be too small. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, you, you can't keep, keep, keep going, going, going. I mean, if you keep niching down, you'll end up with one customer at the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. I, I, so I'll, that's I'll, uh, that's yeah. kind of what I'm worried about. But I, I I do understand the value of niching and going through this thinking. I think the art of niching down, I think, as you said, is is yeah. very important. But yeah. that's what I'm worried yeah. about. You know, I'll um, I'll I'll take that offline, <laughs> right? But the one thing that I'll say is that um, solve for the problem which you have, not the one that you don't have. So um, I think I was having a conversation with Mike. I don't know if it was a group call or not. But um, so, yeah, I talked about the the shady consultants who sell you stuff that you don't need for way more money and all that sort of stuff, right? We don't want to be that, right? But then why act like that? Because so I, I hear this quite a bit. In fact, this is the number one objection that I get. It's like, oh, I don't want to turn people away, right? So, yeah, I mean, I lock myself so in and then I'm just, you know, repelling everybody and not attracting enough. But think about, so what I'll say is that what is the current problem that you have? 
is the current problem that there are people lining up outside your door, waiting to give you money, waiting to turn, fighting over, there's a stampede going on. And you're like, Avi, you, you want me to turn those people away? Well, if that's a problem, then yeah, don't take my advice. Don't take it. Don't take it. It's not the right advice for you. Take their money. Take their money. Let them all in, right? But most people uh, well, who are starting out and even further on, that is not the problem. The problem is there are not enough people lined up outside the door. So let's solve for that problem right now. Yeah? And niching down will get you there. We'll get you people lined up. And yes, you can ultimately niche down too much and turn people away. We'll, we'll worry about that when we get there. I mean, frankly, it's not going to happen. But uh, but yeah, so uh, so th that's kind of one answer. But I'll I'll take that offline. That's a great question. So Kimberly, you, you I think you wanted to share something. Well, I was just curious. I'm not as familiar with this particular industry, but with it, it seems like you're going end to end with the supply chain. So if you start with the farms first, and then eventually. You know, if you do find that you have lots of other uh, opportunity, you know, time and uh, availability, then you start connecting the different links in the chain as you go through. So then you kind of work your way to the next stage, you know, the next group. And and is there actually an opportunity for those companies to interact with each other? Uh, I mean, obviously they're already interacting, but from a Power BI perspective, can, can you, sh you know, is there information that crosses the boundaries between the two companies? Yes, it does. I mean, that's where the reconciliations come in. Mm -hmm. um, all three, um, well, the, the grower and the packer and the marketer, they come together at a pack house. So if, if you can think about that, there's a, there's a facility that packs the fruit and all three of them are joined together there. That's why I'm kind of, I started thinking about them as one. The pre-packer is a is a separate business that that if you can imagine it on another side um, delivering to a retailer. But the first three are all connected on one side because they're probably making the forecasting correct for the growing and base. Because I've, I've we did the same thing with our canned tomato line, right? We had to be able to plan ahead and tell the the growers how much of that piece of the farm we're committing to. Right. So I, I do see how you're saying that they're all kind of connected to each other, you know, and then the distributor had to be involved to say, well, we can get you X amount brought over, you know, at a time. So I, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but I guess I was just I, I do understand how it's it becomes muddled a little bit when you're trying to it's an end to end process. So is there other language okay. for that word reconciliation that's more specific to the industry? That's what they use in the industry. They'll they'll use the abbreviation as the recons. Mm -hmm. And what are they reconciling? So you you have fruit flowing from the farm. So you know what leaves your farm gate. Yeah. That then goes to the pack house. Now in the pack house, there's a lot of things that happen, but fruit gets sorted into different grades and it gets packed into different sizes. And some of your fruit goes to, to export markets, some of it goes to the local market, some of it goes to juicing factories. So now everything that happens here at the pack house, you want to balance back 
do what mm. the farmer um, gave you. And also, you want to know exactly what happened with that fruit. Then after that, when you the, the farmers doesn't sell their own fruit, they will hand it over like to a marketing company. So that company mm. takes the fruit from the packhouse and then put it into different markets. So now you want to make sure that everything that the packhouse delivered to this marketing company is accounted for, is paid for, and of course, what has been, how much did they pay for it, and how much did you get into in different market segments. Uh, so that's how it works. Yeah. And who would pay you for the the business for the for the work that you're doing? Would it be at each level at each section of the business? At the moment, uh, the grower is paying because the grower. Um, I I think it's because the grower has this this big need for the reconciliation of of all the data. That's great. Great question, Ian. All right, guys, good stuff. And and yeah, I kind of did see the point that Kimberly was making. Yeah, the businesses are connected. And and well, if even if you do start on one end, yeah, I think it's going to be definitely that door is going to be open for you, maybe right away or soon enough. Where you say, oh well, growers are talking to packers, and yeah, so you start working with them. So so yeah, so there are, there are linkages there which can help. Um, cool. Um, yeah, good stuff. All right. Uh, thanks so much, Charles. We have uh, next up is Nabila. Nabila, thanks so much for waiting. And uh, I know it's probably at an you had to join the meeting at a, a pretty early time. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for that. Uh, but yeah. yeah, go ahead. Share with us your, your niche, your story. Yeah. Uh, so hello, everyone. I'm Nabila. I haven't prepared any slides, uh, but um, uh, like uh, I want to share the niche value story and the selling um, strategies, uh, and the workouts uh, that I have gone through. Um, and I'm really grateful to Avi for pushing us down that road because it really helped me focus. Um, I just uh, I just left my job like two weeks ago, and I'm very new at uh, consulting. I haven't got my first client yet, so I was like all over the place and I was getting overwhelmed. I wanted to do uh, sales retail. I wanted to do like marketing insights and all that. Uh, so I wasn't really focused. So this um, this journey actually helped me to like focus my uh, attention to the uh, niche that I would be working. And it helped me realize that I have a lot of opportunity in that uh, niche, which I didn't first realize uh, uh, earlier. So um, to give my background a little bit, um, I work uh, in the financial uh, in a financial company as a data analyst. Uh, before that, I actually worked in an app development company as a data analyst, and my data analyst's journey actually began there, where we actually tried to measure the app engagement, like uh, the mobile apps that we created, like how users are engaged with that, and also like how we can uh, do different things to retain the 
uh, users, like they keep on using our app. So we actually measured that. And I was like, I was really enjoying my time over there. But later I actually uh, moved overseas and joined in a financial company. And I, even though my uh, title was a data analyst, uh, I actually did a lot of data engineering things. I like used SQL heavily. I used the SSIS to integrate like uh, different um, data sources, like sources of data and like uh, pre-process them. And uh, uh, like visualization, I used uh, SSRS because we had a lot of tabular data in there. So I, I wasn't like really exposed to Power BI until like uh, the last six months where I had to like um, work with our HR team and they really wanted to like know uh, the demographic of our uh, company, like um, the gender um, uh, split and also like how many, uh, the tenure of people and also like uh, what age they're in, uh, this sort of thing. So that's what was my first introduction to Power BI. And I, I really felt like I really enjoyed that uh, using Power BI and I really, um, enjoyed the process of creating those reports and I got a good uh, feedback from them. So um, for my personal personal circumstances, I decided to move on to like um, independent consulting. So without thinking too much, I just <laughs> left my job and I, I was like, um, uh, I was like focusing on like uh, obvious program will help me go through my starting phase, the struggles of uh, starting first so uh, it's actually like really helping me now so uh, initially when Avi uh, told us to niche down I was thinking of uh, doing that app retention and uh, mobile app retention and engagement thing but later I realized that a lot of things changes over the seven years period and I can see that people are using different technologies and uh, they're those technologies are really, really developed now, and I'm not sure if they need like more uh, insights. Uh, like they have enough, like from Google Analytics and all that. So that, so I wasn't really like confident if I would get enough jobs in there. Uh, then I was interested in um, sales, retail, because uh, retail sales, uh, because everyone was doing that. So, but I, I wasn't really uh, confident, like if I would get clients or not. So Avi, I did some brainstorming, uh, followed Avi's lectures, and um, I also uh, did some like the energy uh, meditation thing. And I was pulled towards, I don't know why I was pulled towards the HR, <laughs> HR niche. So yeah, so uh, I would like to share a document where I have, um, Come up with how I um, I have gone through developing my niche and my value stories, and I would like to sh share that with you. Okay, can you see my screen? Yes. Yes, we can. Yes. yes. Okay. So this was the uh, first uh, niche um, thing that I come up. I help HR professionals with my Power BI skills. Uh, very like very generalized. 
So the next one, I help the people managers of small and medium companies. Small and medium is the key here by providing data insights regarding uh, employee recruitment, retention and engagement. I know I, I have niched down a little bit recruitment, retention and reten uh, engagement, retention and engagement, but there's a lot of work in each of these sectors. So uh, I know I, I could niche down a little bit more so that I have done in my value stories. So um, I, I have highlighted the small and medium companies because uh, as I was talking with Avi and I found that it actually varies. Like uh, in a small company, how you re uh, recruit and retain uh, employees is different from how you do it in a large company. So this actually is uh, like it, it is different uh, from company. It varies uh, to company size as well. So um, I started with that. Then I moved on and I tried to do the brainstorming like who I want to help um, human resource professionals. But when I looked into deeper, I see that human resource management is like they do a lot of stuff. They actually have a like sector for stuffing, like recruiting and retention. They have to do like um, compliance sort of thing uh, to make sure that everything's uh, going well. They do employ motivation and engagement. Um, so there's a lot of sectors in there. So I was like, uh, I wanted to more focus on the recruitment and retainment side uh, because when I was working in my previous company, um, uh, I, I had I had this team in, in my team. I had this position data analyst, uh, a senior data analyst uh, where we had like struggled to fill that position. Like we were recruiting people in there, but like after training them and like after after they're getting familiarized with the system, just when we are waiting that they will be like start shows start to show some productivity but during that time they left like that was a like huge uh like slap to the team like our morale and we are like yeah we are getting support soon and they would just left so that this was a like um really i think it's something to do with the title as i said i was hired as a data analyst but i did jobs of a data engineer. So maybe it was uh, something like this. So I thought that this recruitment and retainment part uh, is um, is uh, something that we should focus on uh, and it helps the company to like um, not do so many um, expense like uh, the cost associated with uh, leaving uh, an employee after training. So I wanted to reduce that. Um, about the size, I wasn't sure which um, size I should look onto. Like um, small, I thought 100 to 200 people um, uh, because it would be like uh, I was assuming that maybe medium and small companies may already have their HR system. Um, like they're already doing those analytics because uh, this is how the large companies do. So I'm thinking that maybe small companies who just like started don't have their um, recruitment and retainment uh, HR processes set up yet. So I was targeting, I was uh, thinking of targeting the small and medium uh, maybe. Uh, local I picked because I'm comfortable because I know the uh, 
like um, I know the uh, how the source like how um, I know a lot of things about this local uh, workforce. Uh, so that's really like um, comfortable uh, feel for me. Like I know uh, how the um, how the companies are hiring, and I know how uh, like um, where the shortage is at. So uh, for that purpose, I um, I for, I wanted to start uh, using the local uh, market first. Uh, then I move. Uh, I would always choose US because there's a lot of opportunity over there and Europe as well. Um, I want to focus the like hiring managers, um, like uh, the HR people who are responsible for recruitment and retainment, um, who are really new, who hasn't set up their process yet. Like they are not uh, really using the matrices and like they're kind of struggling to set up the process. So I want to help those um, uh, personnel who are uh, like don't have the process set up yet. Uh, like for this part, I was uh, I was uh, going to do some interviews, but <laughs> as you know, I'm starting just uh, new, so I don't have many connections and um, my saboteurs actually <laughs> uh, hold me back and I couldn't actually reach out to the persons that I thought I would do. I was uh, like I was going through the HR stuff more like I was trying to study what sort of um, process they do while recruiting and hiring people, uh, retaining people. So I was going through those things and um, I thought that I should be more prepared before talking to a person. Uh, so that hold me back. Uh, but what I did was, I'm almost ashamed to say this. Uh, I used mm. Chat GPT <laughs> to like uh, come up with the challenges uh, a hiring manager usually faces, and also like um, uh, what uh, what sort of uh, metrics it can uh, it uh, we can use to. Um, reduce those struggles and I was actually blown away with the responses like it was really good <laughs> like I was it was just like talking to an actual person <laughs> so I would recommend that actually and uh, so then I moved on to the value story so this was my first version um, I help HR professionals do uh, recruitment and uh, retaining the right can candidates. I, I want to emphasize on right, because if you don't have the right candidates, it will just cost you money in the future. So, uh, so that time and cost of hiring is optimized. Like um, uh, time of co uh, time and cost of hiring is optimized, and new hire turnover is lowered. Like new hire turnover is like not just uh, any other turnover. New hire turnover is like um, uh, the people who live in their first years. So um, I want to like lower that uh, point. So kind of niching down. Um, unlike uh, like uh, this was my alternate by minimizing the use of ineffective recruitment sources and identifying bottlenecks in the process. Uh, I, I want to be more specific in that later. I would like to work on that later. Um, and what strategies I use that others don't uh, use uh, through benchmarking, recruitment and retention metrics against industry standards. So this was my first draft. Then it got me into thinking like, how am I going to get industry standards? Like 
it varies so much and who who is going to give me the data maybe um, a talent acquisition company may have that like uh, they will have the industry standards for time to hire uh, in a position or cost to hire in a position and uh, they would have those uh, things but who will be like willing to share the things with me so uh, then i like i thought that maybe i should change that and also uh, about industry standards when i was like going through the materials of hr stuff um, stuffing i i saw that some place it's uh, written that the time you take to hire a junior employee isn't necessarily the same when you are trying to hire an ex uh, executive in a company mm. so it varies a lot so that benchmarking is like really important uh, i know i have to do that but i'm not still not sure how i'm going to do that so later on in the second version i changed it a little bit that that is what i can actually do uh, so my second value story was i help hr professionals recruit and retain the right talent talents by combining data from different sources to automate hr analytics report um so that it helps them to optimize time and cost of hiring and reduce new hire turnovers unlike many other experts who only focus on the technology i leverage my knowledge of both the tech and the domain to help identify effective recruitment sources and bottlenecks in the process so um there's a few point in there um like um i came up with this combining data from different sources to automate hr analytics report because uh in my company when i started it was a uh, 200 around 200 people uh, company but later on in the over the 3 years my company actually gone through like lot of acquisitions and merger mergers and they ended up uh, being um, like around 1000 people employee when i left so what happened was um when we actually uh, like uh, did some acquisition of a company uh, it showed that our subsidiary company was using a different um like hris software than than from us like maybe uh, like uh, for one example that uh, that gets us started with that um project i did in my company um a company that we recently Uh, did some acquisition uh, that company was using bamboo hr uh, mm -hmm. like they were they really loved it because the reporting was really really good but our company i would not name the software was using a really crappy one because mm -hmm. uh, it it had all the things in there they loved it because they had all the modules in there they had payroll they had like people um Uh, the people data side so there was this hr side and there was this payroll side because they are like quite connected but payroll actually managed by the finances so um our company actually liked that software because it had all the modules in one place but the company that we um uh, uh, like bought they actually uh, didn't want to let go of bamboo hr because it had like cool reports in that so um our company uh, our hr actually um 
promised them that we would come up with some uh, dashboards that will actually uh, like uh, they won't be missing bamboo HR so much and that uh, I worked in there and the problem was that um, uh, with uh, the our company side was that even though it was like it had all the modules um, the company that come up with that HRIS uh, software they were actually uh, going through, through some um, acquisition where they uh, where they purchased those models from different companies so their payroll system was different their hr system was different but they were using apis to like communicate within them so when we started to like trying to get data and we saw that it had like so many um, discrepancies in those like for example the hr site didn't actually uh, stored history uh, to the like from beginning of the time uh, like for example if someone changed a role or changed a department it would only had like one previous history it it will remove all mm -hmm. other previous histories that was this like biggest challenge for us so what we de did was we used our data warehousing capabilities and we actually like um, using the api we actually get that data and stored it in our warehouse and kind of like created and like change um, changing um, dimension uh, sort yeah, of yeah. thing so that every time some value changes we would actually uh, we would actually capture that so instead of using their uh, side of data we used our own side of data so um, and for that like when we are doing some payroll things like uh, when we are doing some uh, revenue analysis we need the cost centers uh, and the payroll side didn't have that so i had to like communicate the people side of the module to get the cost centers to get the uh, payroll side uh, journal uh, running so i i think that this is a really um, really common problem that people have data in different systems and then don't talk to each other so uh, what what we had to do uh, like what we could do with power bi was that we could actually combine all those data sources in one place and like get the like proper visual to them. So that's why I wanted to put this in my value story, like combining data from different sources to automate HR analytics report. Um, time and cost optimization, of course, this is the main goal. Like if I uh, show them the cost to hire and time to hire uh, by month, they could uh, they could actually identify like. Uh, which post uh, or which department is taking more time or which posts are like costing them mo um, more money and they can like make decisions to uh, reduce it and new hire turnovers also like um, also helps us realize that the candidates we are gaining through the uh, recruitment process if they're the actual um, employees that we want like if they're the right candidates for the right position so uh, this, I think, is a very helpful insight and a lot of HR personnel actually struggles with this, like hiring the right candidates for the right positions. Um, unlike many other um, uh, experts who focus on the technology, I leverage my knowledge of the both the tech and the domain to identify effective recruitment sources and bottlenecks in the process. Um, 
uh, I was skeptical of putting these lines because I'm new and I don't have much knowledge of the domain yet, but I'm working on that. And that would be like on the line, like few years uh, after working on this, maybe that would be my actual uh, power. Like uh, I leverage my knowledge uh, of that domain. I, I hope to gain more knowledge on that. Then I um, shortened a version. Like I was thinking that there's too much uh, words in there. Maybe it should be like short and concise uh, to like, you can get a like hit of that. So I wasn't really sure should I, if I should go with the longer version or the shorter version. So, so the shorter version is I help HR professionals recruit and retain the right talents by utilizing HR analytics uh, so that it helps them to optimize time and cost of hiring and reduce new turnovers. Uh, yeah, and the last part is the same. So I came up with the short version. Then I uh, go, gone through the lectures uh, more and I came up with the fourth version. <laughs> So uh, the fourth version actually was inspired by um, Yemen's uh, um, Yemen's presentation on retaining clients, and uh, I like the idea that he actually um, put uh, videos for each of these uh, mod modules, so that uh, employees actually can uh, go through those videos and actually can figure out how to use the dashboards properly and effectively. So my um, I really like that idea of including videos. Um, uh, I also took this line from Avi's um, slides. I also train and empower your business team. Not sure if I should use business team uh, instead of HR. Uh, so that you can run and update your own reporting uh, once we are gone. So I was thinking, am I taking too much responsibility in my first years? Like I, I will train them Power BI when I'm really not <laughs> a long user of it. So I was like skeptical of all those versions. So I'm still working on it and trying to figure out my stories. Yeah, and I would like some feedback uh, if uh, your feedback on this. And uh, regarding selling, I have started some like uh, I already started some uh, taking some steps. I didn't know it, it was related to selling. Uh, first thing was Avi told me to change my LinkedIn profile. So I got rid of like uh, my previous things. Uh, um, I changed my employment uh, details. Um, like I left the company, I changed that. Uh, I, I'm still working on that key uh, first like first uh, title, but I'm uh, I'm like still uh, having difficulty to let go of my past. So I'm still uh, thinking of finance, selling and HR. So I'm still working on that <laughs> step by step. Yeah, yeah, uh, and... hey, you all are, uh, all right, hey, <laughs> thank you so much. And by the way, guys, this has been incredible. And I'm so, I'm so proud of a group because we create something that I couldn't have imagined. So what I'm noticing in this is that, of course, I loved every presentation, really awesome. But I must say, I love the ones a little bit more where they showed how the sausage was made. 
they didn't show like the final words. Oh, here's my Valley story. Here's what I came up with. No, they showed, oh, I started with this, it was kind of crappy and, you know, MVP and so forth. And that for me is really valuable. And I think that's going to help others too, because sometimes we look at that and like, oh shit, I'm never going to get that level of clarity. But you know, when you see how the sausage is made, like, ah, they didn't start there. You know, it started with this. So my tagline that I use, uh, don't just learn uh, Power BI, become a pro. It started with don't, don't just learn lead. I was really crappy, you know, but, um, but yeah, so we all start somewhere. So that's great. So uh, Nabila, thank you so much for showing us, taking us the whole process. So folks, thoughts and comments for Nabila. Uh, Kimberly had a great comment earlier saying that, yeah, the result of mind is powerful that there's, there's the cost. And, you know, and Nabila, you pointed out too, hiring the right person, that's important. And you also talk about that. Yeah, because it's, man, costly not to. So uh, let's see. Uh, yep, Charlotte says the same thing. Love the progression. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So, of course, next time we do it, we'll just prompt people that, hey, don't just show us final version. If you can, show us the iterations because that's going to help the group just walk walk through the process. And yeah, as Charlotte is saying, it's not, it's to learn the art of niching down, right? Uh, cool. Uh, Avi, I, I would like to, to add something. Yeah. Nabila, you told a lot about your background, uh, that you are working with APIs, you are working with SSIS, uh, reporting uh, reporting services. I, yeah. I also have similar background. I think that you shouldn't be shy that you are starting with, uh, with Power BI because you have a very strong background that you can build on. So you are in far great, uh, greater position than people who have more skills in Power BI but do not have the, that background. Because you always, when we will come with Power BI, we'll need to aggregate data from various sources. So you are in, in a great place to, to, to start with. Thank uh, so. you for the comment. Oh, and understanding the data, the data warehouse, the data warehousing part, I think sounds very powerful. Yes, exactly. It really encourages me to <laughs> embark on my journey in full speed. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Love that. Any thoughts on like which value version, a value story version should I use? Should I like get them or, in a... Or any other any other words? Yeah, any other version? Like any changes recommended? The word domain was a little bit general for me. And I was I wasn't sure I actually was using a thesaurus trying to figure out other words for the, the HR world, but it mm. it didn't speak directly to, you know, who I felt like you were targeting. The HR professional? Uh, the word domain, uh, the leverage oh, domain. Uh, in okay. your in the section B. Uh, of, yeah, uh, uh, I was trying to mean the uh, HR, yeah. HR uh, sector. Yeah. Uh, okay, mm -hmm. I'll change that. All right. So, um, you know, I, uh, I I talked to my son about college quite a bit. He just started college this year, and I feel kind of lucky that I kind of did go to college here. I mean, I did a part-time master's in computer science from UW here. Um, in my mind, it doesn't kind of count because man, part-time is very different. It's not like going to college in the US. So of course, all of my education was in India and here I do this part-time course. But man, I went there after work. 
so after work, I was exhausted, but I would drive to the class, attend the class, just come back home. I just wanted to get out of there, do homework, get my grades done with it, right? So, <laughs> so um, I don't know how much I actually learned. <laughs> you know, I got my degree, uh, which is funny because we often have people who go through Microsoft certifications and even courses and stuff, and then they join my course, and I ask them, and says, yeah, Avi, I did the certification, but now I really want to learn how to use it, you know? So anyway, I'm getting carried away. So there was one thing. So this was a computer science course, but we had this weird course. I don't even remember what the title was, but there was a lawyer teaching that. And for, of course, initially I was like, yeah, what's, a, what's this class about? And so anyway, I just sat through doing my whole thing. But man, that's the one thing that I remember from my nearly two-year program, right? And he said a very lawyerly thing. He said, never prove too much. And initially, it didn't make sense. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. I know when I'm arguing with my wife, I forget this advice. You know, because I lean back and I'm like, no, you know, it's like, right? But man, that is really good advice. Really good advice. Never prove too much, right? Because think about it from a lawyer perspective, right? So if you're trying to say that this person murdered them, right? So you're saying, no, 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 they were not only in that room, they held the knife in their hand and then, right? I mean, yeah, no, you just, right? So yeah, the more you try to prove, the more you increase your surface area for somebody to cast out. So I think, Nabila, maybe that's where you can kind of refocus some of these messages because I feel like, and, and again, so if you don't have to promise too much, it just has to connect. So uh, the example that I use, which I think, Kimberly or Margaret mentioned, which is, I mean, sales teams, <laughs> I realized that a lot of them, you know, dude, you know, think about it, right? That's the number one most basic thing that any sales team should have. Hey, these are our targets. This is where we actually are. A lot of sales teams don't have that or don't have that in like a, a good fashion. It's either a lot of work, there can be inaccuracies. How many times have I seen this in Microsoft and other companies too, where people walk in and the reports don't agree, right? And then there's an argument, no, you, know, you didn't include this. Yeah, craziness, right? So you don't have to have a big promise. I can go out there and say, yep, you know, I helped you track your actuals against target. And I know that would land. I know that would definitely land, right? So I feel like, uh, uh, yes, so, um, so if I look at, uh, and some of this language, again, it's, 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 a, and, and some of it might be, I'm not as familiar with HR, but some of these, some of these seem like you're trying to prove a little too much. So I'll just read some of them. Just take hiring the right candidate. Man, okay. I'll say that that is, that is not easy to measure. You know, I mean, I'm thinking like people would have like come together and one would have, oh, yeah, this is how you measure it. But then the other person would disagree. So, no, 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 that's not the right way you measure it because you're not right. So uh, for me, that's that's not trivial. Just how you measure it. That is not trivial. And then how do you improve that measure? Whoa, that's a whole other story. Right. So it's quite deep. And even um, so the, the new hire turnover. I like that one. That was kind of specific. But I think the connection between that and reporting is a little tenuous. So again, we talked about that problem solution roller coaster. And I don't, I don't remember whose example we were talking, but in their case, the problem solution problem, it just kind of naturally flowed. 
just just you know like oh if you have this problem I, I think it was Brahim I said oh you have you have uh, uh, trouble when events happen then uh, uh, you know the lines out the door angry customers leaving bad reviews all of that right upset staff staff is going crazy they're quitting on you problem right solution oh smart scheduling keeping events in mind right oh problem but for that you need to be able to forecast your sales based on the events and stuff right so so yeah through that flowed naturally i think and again it might be an iteration so you are exactly on the right path uh and you should feel encouraged this the progression that you've shown it's amazing right but what i felt was that when you say new higher turnover it, it wasn't like, oh, I can give you better reporting. I'll combine multiple data, uh, data from multiple systems. And I'm like, mm, is that, how's that, how's that going to help me? It's a little tenuous, right? So, so uh, I just wanted to kind of, um, yeah, just thinking out loud there. Uh, so, but I did like that part, new hire turnover. If you can connect it stronger with what you're providing, like this is how I help, right? Then that can be good. Uh, I'll say that the part that I uh, I noticed, and and again, sometimes uh, guys, sometimes we're thinking and we're brainstorming, and we have like no idea, right? And then you start talking, and you realize that you actually do know, right? So your body knows if it's nonsense, right? There's you know, at a spiritual level, it's something you already know. So Nabila, maybe go back and watch watch you talking, you know. Uh, and after that, that's by the way a trick too. I mean, sometimes we're really stuck. Anish or something, just call a friend, record the conversation, tell them it's recorded, and then listen to yourself again. Because what I noticed, what I felt, and and you will have to validate, is that the so I was kind of mo a monitoring energy level, right? Um, that there seemed to be really good energy around when you're talking about um, multiple data sources, and you spoke quite a length for that, and you spoke quite yeah, you were animated that was that was good stuff um but but again i feel coming back to my original point it's like you're trying to prove too much i feel like in one statement you're saying oh i'll help you combine multiple data sources time and cost to hire and new hire turnovers i think you it's go back to the very beginning where you said that oh there is retention retainment some uh, hiring right and you said that, oh, each of those areas in itself is is kind of big. Actually, I have that. Uh, where was that? Yeah, recruitment, retention, and engagement, right? So, but this one is is a little more, you know, kind of drilled down, but it's still surface area is too broad, right? So again, think like a lawyer. Like if you had to prove all that in a court, why would you set yourself up for that, right? I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure, right? So yeah, so reduce your surface area. Uh, so so again, like multiple data sources, that in itself is a thing. And then time and cost to hire, that itself is a thing. New hire turnover, that is a thing in itself. And these three are loosely connected at best. And again, I feel like, oh yeah, I'll do better reporting. I'll let you do everything. That that is that is the challenge. And that's the opposite of what we're trying to do. Because again, and you don't want to be like, oh yeah, I, I help you solve your Power BI problems. I, I can do anything. I can help any industry anywhere. The thing is that nobody believes that. They don't. They, they don't trust you, right? So, um, so yeah. So this one we spread a surface area. Let's for 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 the sake of fun, let's just pick one for now, right? And if you just led with that, 
multiple data sources. Man, what you talked about that bullet point, just everything that you said was golden. And we were, we have been talking about origin stories and guys, I had didn't have this. Well, I had heard this word in a different context, but I didn't, I never used it in my lessons, never used it. You've never heard me ever talk about this origin story idea, but I think it kept showing up this time. So it was, um, Abraham, of course, who kicked it off with that Chipotle story. I'm like, wow, that's good stuff. And then I think it happened one more time, I noticed. And I was, I was, I had written down to ask Charles. So he talked about the problem. But imagine if he changed that to a specific story, right? Where he said, um, yeah, I was working with a grower and they shipped, um, you know, uh, whatever, tw uh, 20,000 units of whatever, Apple, <laughs> something to there. But then the back, backers came the report and it said uh, 10,000 units. Has that ever happened to you? Whoa, right? And it's just, it's that powerful story, right? So if, if Charles has something like that, that would be so awesome to use. Um, and, and I think, uh, Nabila, you had that beautiful story. I was like, yeah, this happened, it happened, they had this system, and then we combined, and that was kind of nice. So yeah, so, so um, that, that would be good enough. Um, how does that, how does that, uh, how does that all that sound? I just want to check how it's, um, yeah, how's, how's it, uh, how does it so far feel? When I yeah, yeah, I, I was thinking that, um, like combining data from different sources is actually a real problem uh, that actually exists yeah. in the companies, like, uh, they really struggle, even, even like combining, uh, HR, uh, HRIS one HRIS software with, Excel data. <laughs> yeah, they so. may have. Yeah, so. Dude, I think you're onto something there. Yeah, that was good. Nabila, yes, Nabila, I can, I can, uh, I can confirm because I'm dealing uh, in my current company also with HR data. Actually, my real Power BI is uh, because now I'm in a different position, but I, ha I have a couple of Power BI reports that are connected with HR, and I. And this is a, a gold mine because what is the the main pain po uh, pain point uh, is that they they have a data from various sources and sometimes the only solution is to grab a couple of Excel extracts and combine them in the Power BI. But this is a really a gold mine uh, if you start preaching them of combining uh, data from uh, different data sources. So, so this is a great starting point. Yes, because as Avi told about uh, showing the problems and, 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 and this is the, 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 the main problem that you can uh, start and build your, your story up on. Yeah. Thank you. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, um, so, so folks, uh, uh, the funny thing is, so again, I mean, we talked about duality. So there are these, uh, um, things like um, every company that I know out there. So there's some of these universal data challenges. Combining data from multiple sources is one of them, right? Uh, but of course, our job is to make those general, make them specific, right? So in a way, take what Kimberly said, and if you generalize it, it becomes shitty, you know? So what's the problem with the PMIX? That's the... Oh, well, actually, sorry, I used uh, strong language. It, 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 you, it, it robs it of power, right? So I'll do that. And, and, you know, it's so obvious, right? So you take what you had, which was like, boom, right? The PMIX, 
the PMIX, which is, I think, percentage of liquor sales or something like that, right? But if you take that and you just generalize it just one step, which is the, uh, like the mix of products. The, uh, oh, sorry, well, I guess product mix that. But um, um, yeah, I don't know. If you, if you say like, yeah, I helped you do sales reports so you know what you're selling, right? It just loses its power. So you take what is a general problem, which is combining multiple systems, but then if you make it specific, and uh, the story can be a very easy way to make it specific, where you can say, oh, yeah, our company went through a merger, exactly the story that you had. You don't have to change the thing. I was like, yep, they were using this system, they were using this system, and now we have to like kind of make it work together. And yeah, you know, so yeah, so that's good. Um, uh, cool. So good stuff there. Some good comments coming in. Um, yeah, so Barry has a good point is that they, they're, they, they're, they're facing these tech challenges. But often they don't have the tech skills, and that's that's like a, a you know kind of a bad combination. Uh, so yeah, that's that's good. Um, uh, just two other thoughts. So for one, folks, uh, uh, I, I did mention in the lesson as well, the the value story format feel absolutely free to to not do the last two parts because those are tricky. The distinction, how I'm different. And yeah, sometimes this is a journey also to kind of find ourselves in so many ways, you know, but, um, but yeah, so the, the distinction part, the last part, sometimes that doesn't come right away. So if it is not fitting right, if it is not feeling right to you, you're better off just dropping it all together rather than having something which doesn't quite feel like a right fit to you. Does that does that kind of make sense, Mila? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Because, because, uh, yeah. 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 I mean that that's going to affect your energy. You, you know. So and and of course this was a casual setting, which is good, which is good. But we could kind of sense your hesitation a lot of times when you came to that. I'm not sure. So yeah, just you know, just drop that part. Lead lead with that. So again, that is also maybe kind of proving too much. You don't have to prove that part. You know, you can still work with the first three, which is good. Uh, and the only other thought, uh, so there's, there, there's no right or wrong way to doing things. I don't want anybody to feel uh, guilty or shame of anything. <laughs> uh, uh, Nibila used the word, and again, she was just talking, so that's, that's okay. But um, yeah, you, there's no need to feel that way. You should always feel like you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And um, it's, it's funny, right, because we feel like we have to beat ourselves up to get the best results. Man, try operating like this. You're gonna just know the difference. You just have to try it. When you center yourself in the present self and the present moment, and you can be kind to yourself, that unlocks everything, <laughs> you know? So yeah, so uh, so that, uh, ChatGPT, I've used that for uh, research as well, uh, recently. Um, but yeah, it's a fun thing. But of course, and, and, and I'm not saying Nabila isn't going to do that. She, she did talk about how she's uh, thinking about reaching out to people and so forth. But guys, um, uh, there's a phrase that I wrote down, which uh, she said, she talked about, uh, by the way, that was a beautiful story too. So if you ever do, or if you do choose to go with a new hire turnover, that was also a beautiful origin story where she talked about, that, oh yeah, da, da, da. I mean, uh, they hired it, they put so much effort and then they were leaving right there. And that's what I wrote it down, the, the language. She said, it was like a slap in the face. That is the good stuff. 
that is the golden stuff, right? And 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 sometimes you you can say that in like uh, the monologue version of story. Like let's say you're writing an article, you can say that. Maybe in a conference, you can say that. But that kind of stuff is really powerful in like one-on-one conversations, which are the ones which matter the most anyway, because that's finally when you're going to get the client, right? So uh, ChatGPT, I don't think it's going to use give you language like that, right? It's gonna, not going to say that, oh, yeah, these are the challenges, and man, it feels like slap in the face. No, right? So yeah, ChatGPT is good, good starting point. But when you start talking to people, and of course, you can tap into your own experience as well, and that's where I think and maybe Nebula drew that too, right? You would get the slap in the face. You would get the other language that I know it was uh, Margaret. So Margaret wasn't talking about a niche, but still that language was so clear. She talked about um, all those those people who, uh, man, I, I didn't write it. I think I put it in the comments, but she said something about the kind of clients she doesn't want. You, you, oh, said yeah. the, you wrote down that when I said that they barely tolerate accounting. That is mind blowing, right? Again, you know, AI is is not there yet, right? Yeah, barely tolerate that, and that gives her clarity. So, so yeah, so so, um, but yeah, but hey, we can do both. You know, we can we can do a bit of Chat GPT and then humanize it and kind of do it our own way. So, um, uh, well, Nabila, thank you so much. Uh, you're off to a great start, and can't wait to see where you go from here. Um, hopefully, you. some of the discussion helped. And I also want to thank everybody who presented today. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, man, I'm I'm super excited for the journey ahead. So of course, the Seattle event, you would hear more from us. And of course, the next event we're, we're lining up, which will happen much sooner. But of course, Seattle event, we, we're, we're trying to get ahead of that because of course, uh, for people who want to join, they'll have to make travel arrangements and stuff. So you'll hear more about the Seattle event, I think uh, maybe in the next few weeks. But then uh, Real Power BI is right around the corner, and that's always an exciting experience as well. All right, folks, thank you so much. And yeah, we'll see you around. Hang out of the group. Thank right, you. Take care, folks. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Avi. Bye bye. 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 Thanks right. so much. Bye, yeah. Hi, Avi. Uh, uh, hey, Brian. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, very quick. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I have a very quick uh, technical question. I don't know if you want to share my screen. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, hold on. Let me. I guess we can stop recording. <laughs>